Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. Brought to you as always by ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology and tools make hiring more efficient and more effective. It's the smartest way to hire. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. The tech does not stop there. It even learns what kind of candidates you like and invites more to apply. There's a big difference between working hard and working smart. ZipRecruiter allows you to balance both. 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. My listeners can try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Meanwhile, SeatGeek, the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, ass kickings of the Yankees, and more. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event, whether it's college football, football, MLS, baseball, or ass-kicking of the Yankees, you know what to do. Just use promo code BS. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by TheRinger.com, which just ran its very successful and controversial 100 best TV episodes of the 21st century that was all last week. Juliet Lippman and I did a podcast on that on Friday. We forgot one crucial point that I was really upset about, and I just forgot to mention to her. The Shield left off the top 100. Outrageous. I didn't like The Shield that much, but a lot of people I knew did, and I do think it was one of the first anti-hero shows and should have been represented in some way. Forgot to bring that up. And we forgot to get into it on The Lost, The Constant being the number one episode of all time, which was obviously just ridiculous and, and outrageous. But uh, but yeah, we forgot to do that. So at some point, next time Juliet's on, we'll I'll, I'll battle her about that stuff. Check out TheRinger.com this week. NFL heating up and... Kevin Clark, Robert Mays are both on the ground going to different training camps and stuff. Clark wrote about the Wildcat offense today, Miami, 10 years ago when they almost revolutionized football and did for about three weeks. And Mays wrote about the Raiders and John Gruden's QB camp with Derek Carr and what the hell is going on with there. I'm just starting to get ready to talk about football. We have a, a football guest coming on for Wednesday's podcast that uh, is a little surprising. Not surprising, but it's just somebody that hasn't been on as we head toward 400 BS podcasts. I think this is, what is this one, Kyle? This will be 396, I believe. 396 or 397, somewhere in there. We're heading toward 400, something like that. Anyway, we have uh, a couple things planned for the 400th. Coming up, Jacko. I texted him yesterday and said, either way you're coming on, uh, we'll talk to him. We're going to talk to Chris Ryan about succession and my daughter is going to give the teenage girl culture watch for August. But first, Pearl Jam. Jenny! Hi. Hi there. How are you? How you doing, Jenny? Uh, I've been better. <laughs> I have definitely been better. How was your weekend? Well, you know, aside from sports, it was nice. My daughter turned seven on Saturday. Oh, congrats. 
Thank you. Lovely little family party. And we have a new dog we've had for about a month. He's keeping us busy. So, sure, everything was good. I've got my health as far as I'm aware. So, maybe not my mental health, but the rest of me is pretty good. So, no complaints outside of sports. Would you name sports, the... I have a lot of complaints. Would you name the dog? Finnegan. Finnegan. We call him Finn. Yeah. Hmm. I would have named it Aaron Boone because he's been a dog <laughs> as a Yankees manager. <laughs> yeah, but I don't like Aaron Boone and I like my dog. So that's what people were like, you know, you should have named it Glaber, but I never want to raise my voice in anger at anything named Glaber. That was a month ago, but things have changed since then. But yeah, now I'm happy I stayed away from any uh, Yankee-centric names. Let's put it that way. What was the worst part of the weekend for you? Well, I mean, it was it was all. I mean, the Yankees wise, it was all bad. I didn't watch. I'll be honest. I, I didn't watch any of it because I was so disgusted. I've been so disgusted by their performance overall for about the past month, and I have been like a Cassandra in the on Twitter, screaming that this team was grossly overrated. The notion they were a World Series contender was ridiculous, and people would chime back at me and say, "Oh no, but they're thirty games over five hundred, and you know they have the second best record in baseball, and the Red Sox are just on a hot streak." And, and this weekend, unfortunately, proved me starting, startlingly accurate because the team is grossly overrated and they were exposed. I mean, that team was exposed and Aaron Boone was exposed this weekend. And it was it was disgraceful. It was depressing. It was it, it, it's beyond words. I can't put together the words to say how bad this weekend was. You know, Boston Massacre, everybody's re- resurrected that. That doesn't even do it justice, how much they were completely emasculated. <laughs> I don't believe you that when you say you didn't watch anything. I just don't believe you. I've known you for too long. I followed it along on my phone. No, you watched. I, I was, you were watching did, last night. Just stop. I've, I did our 30-year anniversary. Our 30-year anniversary is coming in four weeks. It Our 30th anniversary is friends. And when that it day happens, true. you're going to come on the pod and we're going to tell the whole story of how we met. Excellent. But over those 30 years, I've known when you're full of shit, and this is one of those times. <laughs> there's no way you didn't watch that entire game last night. There's no way no, you weren't. I did not. There's no way you weren't annoyed by it. I literally did not watch last night. Come on. I, did I tune into it briefly? I did turn into oh, it briefly. Oh, my and God. Then, and then I, I and then I had to hear. I turned on just in time to hear Jessica Mendoza say how the Yankees bullpen was their strength. Really, really going out on a limb with the hot sports <laughs> take there, <laughs> which turned out not to be the case. Obviously, as Chapman blew it in the ninth, but I, I was one to nothing. I had a busy weekend with you know my daughter's birthday and family and everything else. So I I went to bed fairly early last night. I don't believe any of this. I did not see the implosion mercifully, and then I, I but I knew like I tossed and turned last night knowing that. It, it, literally was to the point where it's causing me to lose sleep how angry and upset I was and I, I did the thing I did watch that that sent me into a blue funk was Thursday night after they were completely eviscerated 15 to 7 um, I'm in the ease on my thesaurus before I used emasculated now I went with eviscerated right. so um, uh, I did t- tune in to yes to watch uh, Aaron Boone's fucking press conference, which was a fucking disgrace. And I literally was going to go find a voodoo doctor to try and resurrect drunken Billy Martin, who would at least <laughs> flip over some tables and get fucking blind drunk and probably fight some players and maybe give this team a fucking spine and some fire in their fucking belly because they seem not to give a shit. Wow. 
So I've tried to take a Zen-like approach of like, well, he doesn't give a shit. So why should I give a shit? You know, Cashman runs a fucking team out there that's allegedly a World Series contender, and we have Shane Robinson and Luke fucking Voigt playing first base, <laughs> which would piss me off. Except that Greg Bird is the worst fucking player I've ever seen in my life, who's been hyped for five fucking years. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I I gotta and say, I mean, they're, I'm not going to make any excuses about Judge not being there. Although he is their, you know, the best player on their team, and he, so that's a big hole in their lineup, without question. But you cannot be a World Series contender and run Sonny fucking Gray out there every fucking five days. They just mercifully put him out to pasture in the bullpen. Thankfully, twenty games too late, and then, but then you start a season as a World Series contender, and you have no starting pitching whatsoever. Severino is supposedly the second coming of Nolan Ryan. He's been awful for a month. Awful. He was great for the first half of the season, so I don't know what happened to him, but he's terrible. I'm I'm 48 years old. I hopefully have another four-plus decades of life left. At some point in my four-plus decades of life left, I would like the Yankees to back one Red Sox hitter off the plate. Can you back one guy off? <laughs> In my life. Is that too much to ask? I'm not even going to go so far as to say to hit somebody, but could you make somebody moderately uncomfortable at the plate? Well, they did hit Bogarts in the hand. <laughs> not hard enough. <laughs> I, I, before watching Boone's horrible press conference where he talked about everything's great, everybody's wonderful, everybody played great, He's, he was hired to be the team's big brother, give everybody a pat on the back and tell them they're awesome. And he before that they had David Cohn on. He's like, this team's losing fifteen to seven. Nobody pitched inside at any point. Can you send a slight message to anybody? Just, I mean, if you lose, I mean, look, the Red Sox are literally the reincarnation of the twenty-seven Yankees. They they can't lose. They get guys off the scrap heap like Steve Pierce, and he turns into Babe Fucking Ruth, which is inexplicable. And so the Red Sox are a great team. This is the best Red Sox team in the history of the Red Sox. They're they're phenomenal. But the Yankees theoretically could be competitive with them. But then they play them, and they they don't even pitch inside. They have no life. They have no fire. If you lose, you lose. But God, show some spirit for the love of God. I thought Thursday night they cut to Aaron Boone a couple of times in the dugout and it was just full fledged air in the headlights, full fledged yeah. frozen face. I, I'm in over my head and it really gave me a lot of comfort and satisfaction and happiness. I got to say, I was like, Oh, that guy's Jonathan, in the other dugout. Great. Jonathan Holder has been great for them all year. He's been, he's been phenomenal in that game. He did not have it. It was clear. He did not have it early on. And, and it's like Boone forgot he could bring in another pitcher that he could take him out. Yeah, I mean, he just sat there, and then I, you know, on Friday night, I, I think that when they faced Porcello and they got one freaking hit and did nothing, and Cora, I believe that's the game where Cora got thrown out of the game for for arguing balls and strikes, and after the game, Boone says, oh, I really sympathize with Cora because the because the the ump was horrible. Well, what are you doing there? Like you're not just a spectator; you're not in the ESPN booth anymore. <laughs> You can go out and like yell at the ump, maybe show a little fire, get yourself thrown out of the game. Now, I don't know if that does anything, but you know, maybe the team's like, "Hey, at least Skipper's got our back there." Boy, our big brother Aaron was upset. Maybe we should like wake up. It's interesting. They could have they could have in one of those games just started the relievers and then the Tampa Bay strategy and I would have been more frightened. They should. I mean, you know, they traded for they traded for Jay Happ, who's a, I guess you know has a decent uh, numbers against the Red Sox. The Mookie Betts thirteen pitch grand slam, notwithstanding. But other than that, he's had a pretty good decent numbers against the Sox, and he gets head, foot, and mouth disease. So now now we've become the Mets, where we're getting these diseases that nobody over the age of five ever gets, <laughs> hasn't gotten before. 
and then now we've got Jay Haps. Okay, so that that hurts. But Cashman, in the meantime, has gotten rid of Adam Warren, who was a long guy and a spot starter, for the precious international signing money, so they can go sign some 14-year-old Venezuelan who's going to be good in 15 years. Of course, he's really probably 35, but they claim he's 14. (laughs) So that's the problem in its own. We're hoarding international signing bonus money, Hmm. and then they don't have a starter. How you can be a team knocking on the door of a $200 million payroll and you don't have a starter? You don't have a starter because you traded for Sonny Gray, and he's horrific, and they had to move him to the bullpen. And they got, went out and got Lance Lynn, but because cause Sonny Gray was so bad in his other start, they had to bring in Lance Lynn. And then they went, and then when when Sabathia, who's 150, can't go more than three innings, and they had to burn Luis Sessa, who was supposed to be the starter. You, <laughs> I left, mean, you left out Domingo Herman. Who else? Who else? Did, who was that guy who with the Luis Siga? Luisiga. He was yeah. in there for a cup of coffee. Oh, yeah. And he had flashes. You know, both of these guys had flashes, but then the league catches up to them and realizes, you know, they're, they're not anything special and they're too young. They were protecting Chance Adams and we couldn't possibly ever use him. And they bring him up and he, you know, he, he was okay, I guess. They, he only lost that game four to one. So that was probably the best game they had all weekend, I guess. That was my favorite Robin Williams movie, Chance Adams. The, <laughs> Domingo was on my, uh, my AO keeper team. And he would strike out like 10 guys in five innings, yeah. but also give up eight runs. So it was exactly. really the gamut of emotions with Domingo. Uh, and the problem is, you know, when you have Sabathia, who, who you know, God love him. I, I like CC, but, and he had, you know, he, he fooled everybody last year. And last year he was great. They brought him back on cheap money for, for one more year, but he's got nothing left. He's just got nothing. He, he's out there trying to do it with smoke and mirrors. And, you know, God love him. He's got miles and miles and miles on that arm. So he only goes three innings. And then you, then that's a disaster for the bullpen, obviously. You have Tanaka, who's the most frustrating pitcher in baseball. He throws 97 pitches in four innings last night or whatever he went you can't have starting pitchers go three or four innings and they you know they went out and got zach Britton. they made their their one strength stronger and and having a good bullpen He's amazing. But the, the bullpen has imploded them imploded on them yeah but zach Britton might be your best reliever right now well, but Tansis is probably, arguably, he's turned things around and he's been great. I mean, I know Ch- Chapman has problems with against the Red Sox, and as my legendary Mariano Rivera rant about the Red Sox, this is now two phenomenal closers in a row that have problems closing out your biggest rival. One yeah. of the problems is they, they probably see each other too much. Chapman has been is super shaky when he doesn't get regular work because and he can't find the strike zone for some well, reason. But that was Aaron Boone's fault, though. He didn't pitch for five days. No, Anyone I know. who well, follows Chapman knows that that's that when he hasn't pitched in a while and he gets all sweaty in the mound. And I mean, he looked like a cocaine addict last night on the mound. Did you see him sweating? Sweat was pouring. <laughs> it was literally pouring off him. I thought it was raining for a second and they cut back and it was just sunny outside. He does sweat a lot. He's got like the Patrick Ewing sweating thing going. I will tell you this. Lot, I was the most afraid of Britain. Why I watched this whole series. I thought the Red Sox had no chance against Britain. He he was so filthy. His uh he was throwing like ninety six. That sinker is like outside corner every time. And I just felt like the Red Sox had a better chance against Chapman. They've had rallies against him before. They've been able to get guys on base. And uh well, Chapman almost blew a game against the Mets. They had to take him out, and Chase and Shreve, who's no longer with us, came in and shut the door. But. Um, I was cause, uh, <laughs> my wife and I went to the Foo Fighters concert at Fenway on July 21st. And uh-huh. We got up to Fenway. It was in the shadow of the Green Monster. I was in a bar um, the, on Lansdowne Street watching. They had the Yankees Mets game on, and Chapman came in, and he he couldn't have been farther away from the plate. He was horrible. 
horrible. And they were playing the Mets, thank God, and they had a 7-2 lead. They ended up winning 7-6, to but he was brutal because he hadn't had enough work. Now, I remembered that game. That was only two weeks ago, well, 16 days ago. And, and somehow Aaron Boone, who's only the fucking manager of the team, was unaware of that. Like, maybe we should get Chapman regular work, even if it's not in a safe situation. Well, at least Chapman's a good guy. Um, <laughs> last night was last night was a really fascinating baseball game for a variety of reasons. I watched the entire game except for when Succession was on, and then I put it on my iPad and watched and had it going without sound as I watched Succession, which I know you're not watching, but I really want you to catch up on so season two we can be ready to run. Right. I really feel like it would be in in your short pantheon of shows. It's right. it brings everything to the table that you like in a television show. All right. Yeah, just plow through it. I know. I know you're busy. I know you you got new dog and your anger right. for the Yanks. You've got things going on, but maybe maybe power through succession. Use your t- I will. You, you use a little extra me time for for uh, succession. Sure. So a few things interesting about yesterday. One, it, it felt like a playoff game. At some mm. point, it became one of those like five hour marathon. You lose the will to live type of games. Right. That you know, Cora made his first really big mistake in a while where he left David Price in a little bit too long. Brought in Heath Hembry, who just had deer in the headlights. Uh, your third baseman had deer in the headlights the whole game and then finally made the made the big killer play. Greg Bird, pretty much any first baseman scoops that for the winning throw. Any competent mm. first baseman, he blows it. Well, at least he can't hit, too, so that helps matters. <laughs> That's good. He's what, he's he what, makes up for it by not hitting. I have him in fantasy. He's one of those guys who'll have... Two homers and some fifteen to one beating of the Royals. And then, right. but then anytime you need to count on him, he's zero for four. The uh, that there were guys on both sides. Heath Hembree was another one. I don't know how many Red Sox relievers I trust at this point. It's it's basically just Barnes and Kimbrel, and everybody else is kind of you're on pins and needles. You you have three relievers, I would say, that. At least you know you can trust in a playoff game. Maybe I would still put Chapman in there, even if he didn't oh, yeah. last night. But your starters, Tanaka is the starter I'm most afraid of. I don't know how you feel about that, but I watched all your starters. I know. I knew He's Tanaka. The one that pitched the best. Francesa tweeted this before the Sunday game. He's like, I, I mm. trust Tanaka. I, I know Tanaka that. is the number one guy I'd want in this game. And uh, I kind of felt that way on the other side. Like, and it, and I think if when you're in a wild card game, which you're going to be in a wild card game in about eight weeks, mm, maybe A Rod tried to have this conversation in the booth, but it was almost a little too intelligent for everybody there. Um, <laughs> I think you have to start Tanaka in the wild card game. He's at all the starters you have. You can't start Severino in that game. I went a month ago. I was like, well, they're going to blow Severino in the wild card game, and that'll hurt them for the first round. I actually right. think they have to start Tanaka in the wild card game now, unless something dramatically flips over the next eight weeks. What do you think? And last year he was great in the playoffs. So, you know, when the bright lights are on, he seems to turn it up a notch. So <clears throat> to mingle cliches, but, um, he, he uh, yeah, he's probably the guy I would, I guess I would trust the most. And that, that speaks volumes because he loves nothing more than giving up as many home runs as he can. So, <laughs> I mean, in, in some ways I, I, I feel for Cashman because Cashman is like a guy that's got a billion dollars, but nobody will sell him anything. Yeah. So the Yankees have all these, all these assets and all these prospects and everything else. But one, people are hoarding starting pitching and the team that makes the most sense to do a deal with is the Mets who, who are awful and they're only strong is starting pitching so in a, in a world where the Mets were smart which is an, another universe far far away they would trade Syndergaard to the Yankees for and rebuild with prospects 
Or the grind. Wouldn't you want the ground? Ideally, yeah. well, I, of course I would want the ground, but I'm I'm not going to ask for the moon here. But even in a sane world, they'd say, well, we'll give you Syndergaard, and Syndergaard is a <clears throat> even with injuries and foot and mouth disease or whatever the hell he and Jay Happ have, are a, a huge upgrade over anybody on the Yankees. Well, if you got because like because the Mets, if the Mets were smart, which is they're not, that what they would do is what the Yankees did a couple years ago when the Yankees had the only thing they had was a good bullpen with Chapman and Andrew Miller, and they traded both of them for you know what ended up being Glaber and Justice Sheffield and Clint Frazier and rebuild their farm system with assets. If you had gotten Syndicard, you could have had him and Jay Hap live in right. one of those like bubbles that people put in their, in their houses when they have termites. They just could live exactly. that part of that group in a protected right. area. They could have room together on the road. Exactly. <laughs> they could have given bubble. each other head, mouth, foot disease. You, right. you don't think any part, I, I feel like Aaron Judge swings one of those games. I think you would. Too, I think you would. I mean, you I'm, win you last know. night. You win six. It's six to one in the ninth inning, and we don't come back because Judge. And, that was a classic know, Yankees, Judge two run homer game. The Yankees are have been snake bitten in terms of injuries a little bit because Clint Frazier cannot get past post concussion syndrome, and I'm not blaming that on Clint Frazier. I mean, legitimately, he ran into a wall. He's got a concussion, and that has lingering effects, as we know from the NFL and sports in general. It's caused him a lot of problems, and he certainly would have been a much better outfielder to have in there than Shane Robinson, who I don't even know what he's doing there. They had Tyler Austin, who was probably a better, certainly a better first baseman, if you're going to sit Bird, to put him in instead of Luke Voigt, but they traded him for uh, they traded him for Lance Lynn, I believe. Yes, they did. So You, you know, know why I, they traded him? Because Joe Kelly took his dignity. That's why. He had to go to another team. <laughs> that's the one silver lining for me when your father had, has had a couple of anti-Joe Kelly tweets. I'm, I'm glad to see the mayor of Boston, Joe Kelly, has, uh, the local folk hero, has lost some of his luster. He's lost his ability to make uh, batter swing and miss, unfortunately. Yeah. That's been a problem. Yeah, remember when he dropped a puck at, like, the, in the Bruins playoff yeah. series? That was great. I that think he's tipping pitches. I'm in the Joe <laughs> Kelly's tipping pitches camp. Or it could just be that he stinks. Uh, um, hold on. Let's take a quick break. Let's talk about Simply Safe Home Security. Before you start giving me crap saying that I only like Simply Safe because they're from Boston, home of the team that just swept the Yankees. That's not true. I like Simply Safe because it's a great security system, awesome protection, very easy to use, and because they are from Boston. Simply Safe got started when her Harvard engineer's friend got burglarized. They went to get a security system. It was a huge hassle, too complicated. Too expensive, terrible contracts, so we built something better. Simply Safe, a comprehensive, easy to use protection with no contracts and fair prices. It keeps your family and home safe 24 7, even during power outages. When your Wi Fi is down or if a burglar smashes your keyboard, thoughtfully designed, never in your way. You probably won't even notice it. You can set it up in minutes. Literally anyone can use it. That's right, no contracts, 24 7 monitoring for only $14.99 a month. Order a Simply Safe security system today. Simply Safe. We'll also donate one to a family in need, but you have to go to simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two eyes. Simplysafe.com slash BS. Last night was my first game really watching a Sunday night baseball game from start to finish intently. Yeah. It was a lot of A Rod. Is it? Yeah. It was a lot. <laughs> Yeah, he's they. I I don't know if the producers were like, we need more A Rod. That's what's selling this show, or if he just sort of has a Type A personality and he's taken over, or what. But yeah, other games I've watched, it, it is a lot of A Rod. It's he's the star of the show. It first two innings, you're like, wow, A Rod's really good at this, and then yeah. by the fourth inning, it's like 
All right. Um, I think I'm pretty good with A-Rod at this point. I'm okay. And then by the sixth inning, it's like, hey, uh, can anyone else chime in here? Anybody? Can we go to Buster only? And by the eighth inning, you're just, you're like the 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 old movie airplane. You're just pouring the gasoline at yourself. A-Rod's like, yeah, I remember when I was, there's John Henry. I met John Henry in 2000. Everything is about what happened to A-Rod. And it's like, can you just, yeah. can we talk about the game? It's like, hey, there's John Henry. So here's a five minute story about when I went to visit John Henry and his wife and his wife's great. And it, it was just, and poor Mendoza, who I have no idea if she's a good announcer or not. I just know that right. she's not good on these games. She might be good, yeah. but she has been cast as kind of this third party in the booth. Like this, it's all A-Rod. And then Mendoza chimes in sometimes. It's like it's like being at somebody's dinner table when one person's talking the whole time and then their wife feels like they have to chime in and they just kind of chime in for a second. So they're doing her a complete disservice. If she's good, they're not they're not setting her up, selling her making her like an equal. Cause she doesn't feel yeah. like an equal in the booth. I, I felt, I actually felt genuinely bad for her. It's like, yeah. wow, this is, there's no way you can succeed with the current arrangement. Uh, so I'm not anyway, one rough of these night. That reflexively, I'm not one of these people that reflexively hates her. I actually think she's, I like her. She seems I, smart. I, you know, seems like a nice personality. seems fun, very knowledgeable about baseball. I, I just don't know if that's the best vehicle for her. And really the, the, the best partners for A-Rod we've learned in the postseason are either, are either Big Poppy or Pete Rose. So, <laughs> so if ESPN wants to make that show workable, you just, you know, you get Pete Rose there, but that's like basically holding a stick of dynamite that's lit and you just don't know when it's going to go. And, you know, Big Poppy, they would probably venture far afield from, you know, really game, you know, play by play, I would say. I would but say it would be fun. I would say the best partner for A-Rod is a deaf mute who just sits there <laughs> and talks the whole time. <laughs> I really felt bad for Mendoza. Cause I heard her like I watch. <laughs> I actually, Dude, funny. I actually watched. Uh, I I like the college softball World Series. Yeah, I thought she was great on that. That I, like I was like, wow, this she's really good. And then you you throw her with a rod, and she's just. I I just felt bad for her. Vascursion's pretty good. I actually think he's one of the better baseball play by play guys they have. Although maybe part of his job would be to should be to tell a rod to shut the fuck up for five minutes. <laughs> Hey, he just saw a changeup. I remember in 2007, I got thrown a great changeup, and here's the three minute story about it. My God. And then, and then he's talking about the history of Fenway and how much he loves coming here. Don't lie, don't lie to us, eh, Rod? You hated Fenway. Right. We every time you came to Fenway, you were treated like public enemy number one. There's no way he enjoyed that. None. Was, and then I, they no, showed the Veritech the play. He's like, oh, oh, I remember this. Oh yeah, it's like yeah, Veritech kicked your ass. There's that you're not remembering that fondly. Well, the part of the show, the game that I tuned in, he was also saying something about how Jason Veritech made every Red Sox pitcher a better pitcher. Yeah, and I was like, my God, A Rod, it's bad enough the Red Sox are are killing us, but come on, let's not bow down to Jason Baratek, A Rod. Can we leave with at least a shred of our dignity, like just an ounce of it, for the love of God? He, it was but, you know, it was amazing. I couldn't take that. It was just just a complete. I mean, my God, it's bad enough we're retreating here. Do we have to like burn our flags on the way out? Come on, A Rod. There's 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 some good stuff within his analysis. But it, it you get overpowered by all the other stuff. Like he was doing a good when job. I, when of, I watched the 
I watched an earlier Sunday Night Baseball Yankees Red Sox game. I, I forget when exactly it was, a month ago or whenever. And Aaron Hicks hit a liner up the middle or, or hit a home run. And Aaron's like, Aaron Hicks, who's a scratch golfer, hits one right down the fairway. And I'm like, it's a little overprepared, Aaron. Take it easy. Aaron's like, I got to work in this scratch golfer tip I've got. Yeah. About Aaron Hicks, you know. I think he works better on a studio show or, yeah, you know, like on Nesson this weekend. They had Remy and Eckersley together. Oh, yeah. It, it, it was honestly just fantastic because they have such good chemistry. They played together. It was like just two old guys who used to be plays, play baseball, kind of right. selling each other and really informative. I think Remy's been really hit or miss depending on if he's by himself, not good. But when he's with Eckersley, all of a sudden it's really good. So I was also coming off that. And I think for the most part... uh baseball, the baseball booths are pretty bad. And especially like the radio, the, the radio is like a whole other level. I texted you the other day because I heard uh, John Sterling and Susan Waldman. It was the only choice for when I was driving to have the Red Sox Yankee game. And I was like, is this your actual radio team? And you were like, sadly, yes. <laughs> but well, the famous, I mean, the game I remember is last year I was at work and I was listening to the game on the radio in my office and they were at Wrigley Field and they, at Wrigley Field, they, they couldn't close the window in the booth or maybe Wrigley does not have windows that close in the press box. So the windows were open and these two, I swear to God, went on for six innings about how cold they were. And Sterling's like, they got new monitors. I can't see the right field line. And I can't see the left field line. And I can't see the scoreboard. It was like listening to like your grandparents like talk about their trip to Myrtle Beach. It wasn't it's like, like it. It probably was wasn't. It. it probably was listening to your grandparents. <laughs> if our grandparents were still alive. Cold at Wrigley and I can't see this. I can't see that. I'm like, God almighty, can we just get the score? Like, what's, what's the situation? Can we account anything? <laughs> just terrible. A-Rod's like, I remember I played in Wrigley once. I got a 2-1 slider, took it opposite field from a guy by the name. Just seven minutes story. A-Rod, just tone it down. Just bring it, just bring it back a notch. That's the thing. Like they, I watched the uh, Ted Williams documentary from Mexico oh, yeah. Theater or whatever it was. Yeah. It was just- which was really, really, really good. And, you know, they said Ted Williams, he'd come back and he could tell you, you know, he would get mad at Bobby Doerr or Johnny Pesky when they came back. And he's like, what's he throwing? And they're like, I don't know. And Ted Williams could tell you about like, you know, a game in May from 1939, what the guy was throwing and what the guy threw him. It's just amazing memory for like the little nuances of the game. So you think he, Ted Williams would have been good. He probably would have been very abrasive in the booth. Yeah, well, I don't think he would have been good, and they would have had to bleep every other word, I think. And and he wasn't a very good manager because, like they said in that documentary, all he cared about was hitting. Yeah. And they were, it was like a dispute between coaches about how to do a rundown play, and he was like, ah, let's just hit. <laughs> <laughs> that's all he cared about was hitting. You know, anything else was like, ah, whatever. So he, that's all he would have talked about, you know. I remember when the Ted Williams autobiography came out, and you and I were, were so excited because – there was a whole section about how well hung Ted Williams was. I think that's when we decided that all autobiographies have to have a section about how huge somebody's <laughs> cock was. The Robin Williams one was the latest example. Oh, that, really? Yeah. The documentary about Robin Williams. There's a whole section about his hog. I think that's, that's just what happens go. when you die. People just tell stories about your hog, whether they're true <laughs> or false. The, the Ted Williams thing was amazing to me though, because this guy was sitting on this final game footage for like 60 years and was the biggest idiot on the, on the earth. 
No, he, he, he like gave it or he pitched it to one producer like 20 years ago. And, and the person idiotically was like, no, that that doesn't sound that interesting. And then he just kind of gave up. How did, how did this exist for all these years? He went to different parts of the, of Fenway and shot the whole game from different seats. Like I, I was just stupefied by that story. Yeah. It was quite. A, it was really well done. It was only like an hour long, and you could do, you know, you could have a multi multi day series about Ted Williams. They really got a lot in in an hour. I was really impressed by it. Who would you rather hear stories about from somebody who knows all the intimate details of all the stuff that was going on with them, Joe DiMaggio or Ted Williams? I'm still in the Joe D camp. You are really no. I was going to say Ted Williams because I, I don't know that Joe D was all that interesting because I think he was kind of. Uh, you know, he kept to himself. He was like sort of standoffish. He was, I think Joe D was a little bit of a prick. And I say that as a diehard Yankees fan, like, I, I mean, I've read books and stories about him and he was one of these guys where if you slighted him, he just cut you off forever. Yeah. And he was hard to get to know. Like Mantle never liked him because Mantle was always intimidated by him. And the, like the guys that were friends with him on the Yankees, there, there weren't very many. Like Phil Rizzuto was friendly with him, and I read a book about Billy Martin, and ironically, he kind of liked Billy Martin. It was almost like an ethnic thing where he liked the Italian guys. Yeah, and that's and how I am. Kind of kept with himself. Yes, <laughs> and he really was like not warm and fuzzy, and you know, kind of always protected his image. I mean, they had the thing there about how he demanded all his life to be announced as the greatest living baseball player. Like, you know, they showed like him and Williams standing there, and you know, it's debatable. Like, he was better, a better all-around player than Williams, but I don't know that he was a better hitter than Williams. So to be like, I just couldn't imagine being like, I'd like to be announced as the greatest podcast guest ever, the greatest living podcast guest. Like, I'm happy to do I'm, that if you want. If you, it's something that's important to you. <laughs> I just can't imagine like being that like petty really, you know, and he had, you know, he grew up with a chip on his shoulder and had a little bit of an inferiority complex and he always, I think, overcompensated for that. So I would, I've read books about him, but I don't think anybody ever really got to know him, you know, like he married Marilyn Monroe and all he ever wanted, he just wanted to stay at home and like watch TV. (laughs) I don't blame him. That sounds great. Well, yeah, I and Marilyn Monroe was like, let's go out to, you know, 21 Club or whatever. Let's whatever was the toast of New York at the time. And he's like sitting home in his T-shirt, like, get me another meatball or whatever, you know. But that's why I'd want to hear the, the Joe D stories, because he tried to turn Marilyn Monroe into a stay-home wife. And meanwhile, right. she's ripping through the Kennedy family. And right. he's just going nuts. <laughs> I think that and happened he, after he, they separated. And he always did blame the Kennedys for her death. You know, I like, think he was there. Like, I think he was in Dallas on Mickey Mantle Day or whatever. When uh, Bobby Kennedy, or I think it was Mickey Mantle Day, Yankee Stadium. Bobby Kennedy was a senator from New York, and Jody very famously wouldn't shake his hand as he was announced on the field. Yeah, so, see, snubbed him. This is why the assassination files haven't come out yet because. I think Joe D was there. I think it was Joe D, LBJ, and the head of the mafia. Who had better Italian connections than Joe D? I think, like, I would believe anything. I can't believe the assassin. I mean, Trump, who's just a lunatic, who's just an mm. absolute crazy person who loves nothing more than just twisting it to the American people and dividing us and doing everything he can to make us crazy. How is he not the one who has released the assassination files yet? This would be the ultimate Trump thing. 
Right. It, well, you know, during the primaries, he claimed that, you know, one of the things was that Ted Cruz's father was involved. Right. <laughs> because Ted Cruz was from Cuba, and he somehow tangentially knew Lee Harvey Oswald or something, and, you know, in crossing paths at some Cuban protest or something, and he's like, you know, Ted Cruz's father was involved in killing JFK. So if there really, well, if there was a conspiracy that's government-wide, they probably wouldn't tell Trump just for that fear that he would accidentally tweet it out. But he can get <laughs> the files, though, and then it could tie into his whole thing about how you know, the media is evil and the politics are, it it ties into all stuff. It it really has the chance to be the only redeeming thing about his presidency is getting the assassination files released. He'll mistakenly release info about you, the truth about UFOs or about, you know, presidential assassinations or something. So Johnny, before we go, I just want to tell you, this is one of my three favorite Red Sox seasons ever. How could it not be? Um, Of course. The Mookie Betts, Julio, Daniel Martinez combo has really brought a lot of joy to my life this year. I, I could see why it would. I love Andrew Benintende. I why wouldn't you? I did not stop watching yesterday, even though it was four to one, and they were trying did to score know? three runs against the best bullpen. And the game was also taking a laborious amount of time to be played. And A-Rod was on his fifth hour of just telling stories about himself. I kept watching because this Red Sox team has some fight. I really like Alex Cora. I'm enjoying the season, and uh, and that's all I have to say, Johnny. I'm, I wish I could say I was happy for you, but I'm not. <laughs> um, and uh, what I hope this leads to is a crushing heartbreak in the postseason. Okay. But every I know every Red Sox fan already has the duck boat route planned, and they're they're oiling up the duck boats. And I just hope that there's a crushing, you know, Jose Altuve bottom of the ninth home run, or or if my might happen. If my efforts to resurrect a zombie Billy Martin come back and, we, you know, it's like 1978 all over again where the Yanks come from nowhere and steal the division and, you know, Aaron fucking Boone or Greg, uh, Greg fucking Bird. I mean, Greg fucking Bird becomes the Bucky fucking Dent. Like, that's all I can hope for at this point is some miraculous thing from the clouds. Well, but I'm not hopeful. They changed the rules, so we might play in the playoffs. I know. Well, yeah, that'll be great. It can be. We can be eviscerated once again in the playoffs. That'll be good. Boy, sad. Eviscerated, emasculated, emaciated. Tough summer. Doesn't really work. Tough summer for Jack O. Yeah. Yankees. My dog. Politics. Mm, I'm just gonna be out walking my dog. Yeah. Johnny, (laughs) say hi to everyone in the uh, Connecticut area. We'll talk to you soon. I will. All right. All right. Bye bye. Bye. All right. We're gonna bring my daughter in to give her latest teen culture update for August in a segment we like to call Four Realsies. But first, you've heard us talk about other fantasy sites in the past. We finally got around to trying FanDuel and we're shocked at how different it is. FanDuel means it when they say they have more ways to win. If you're not a fantasy expert, FanDuel, the best place to play. They have all kinds of contests just for casual fans, like beat the score contests, which are great because they pay out everyone who hits a certain score. All you have to do is finish in the money to split an equal share of the cash. FanDuel also has new options for playing with your friends because the only thing better than winning cash is winning your friend's cash. I totally backed that up, by the way. Best of all, FanDuel doing their part to make the preseason bearable with preseason fantasy contests. Wow, I didn't even know this was a thing. Running up to week one of the NFL right now. Get a $10 bonus when you make your first deposit on FanDuel. $10 bonus. Sign up at FanDuel.com slash BS. Age and state restrictions apply. Once again, FanDuel.com slash BS. Preseason fantasy football. I need uh, That could be dangerous for me. 
All right, my daughter is here, Zoe Simmons. It's time for another edition of Teen Culture Watch. What are we calling it? For realsies. Yeah. For realsies. That's what we'd name this segment. You've been on a couple of times. Last time you were on with the director of Eighth Grade, Bo Burnham, mm-hmm. your favorite movie of the year. <laughs> yeah. We have to catch up on a couple of big things that have happened in teen culture. Yeah. There's been some breakups. Yeah. One that you were really hoping for. And then another one I think you were hoping for just because you think you might have a chance down the road. No, that's not true. Okay. Let's go through the breakups. Millie Bobby Brown. Okay. So their breakup apparently was mutual between the two. And Jacob Pistorius, who you did not like. Did you say Pistorius? What's his name? (laughs) Satorius. Satorius? I don't know his name. (laughs) He's a YouTube star. That's not true. He's a musically star. What is he? Musically star. Is that better or worse? <laughs> it's worse. <laughs> so he cheats on her, but they get back together and everybody's upset. Yeah. Everyone was really upset about that. He cheated on her, which I can't. I mean, it was cheating, but it's like teen cheating. What's teen you know? cheating? What's the difference? I don't know. It's just like, he was hanging out with somebody else. Yeah. Or he was like texting someone else, I guess. But um, so everybody was upset at him, and yeah, everybody loves and Millie Bobby Brown. But everyone didn't like him, even like a lot of people didn't like him before. Um, he cheated on her. Like they still didn't like him because he's like a musically star who yeah does all the. It's just weird. Get him out of here. I know. So she's single now. Millie yeah. Bobby Brown. People yeah. are excited about this. Yes, because it's probably not going to happen. But she and her co-star Finn Wolfhard, everyone wants them to get together, which probably won't happen. But that's like the hope. That's the hope? Yeah. Isn't he older though? You told me he was older. No, he's like 15 or 16. I thought she was like 13. No, she's like 14 or 15. I think he's two years older than her. That's who you told me. He's 15. He's 15. How old is she, Kyle? She is 14. You're older. That's not bad. That's not bad. You're not allowed to date anyone who's more than a year older than her. Yeah, down the road. When I, I allow you to date, which will be when you're about 20, 22. <laughs> so Millie Bobby Brown, in a better place, she had all the people coming after her. Yeah. Well, she was getting a lot of hate, even like from her own people, like the Millie fandom, even though like She didn't they do anything weird. Fans. Like she didn't get skinnier, cut her hair, do anything no, drastic, she didn't, right? she didn't do anything. All right, good. But yeah, like my friend immediately texted me that, they had broken up like 10,000 texts and then they both post on their story like this breakup is mutual. Mm. We both respect each other and are still friends. So it was like everyone was so happy and there. I've literally seen like a million Instagram clips of um, like edits of them breaking up and it's really funny. What What made you happier, them breaking up or when nephew Kyle's finally single again? <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't nephew, go a pod without nephew it. Nephew Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who was the other uh who's the other celebrity breakup? Um, the two stars from the kissing booth. So they were in the movie and then fell in love in real life. Yeah. Which upset you and Liz Kelly because mm-hmm. you're both in love with the kissing booth guy. <laughs> the, he's like six four, six five, right? Yeah, and she's like five five, five two. Five. Yeah, from a height standpoint, it just didn't seem like it was gonna work. Yeah. But so what happened with them? So How did they adorable. announce that one? Um, I just saw an Instagram clip when I was rolling through my feed and it was this picture of them and then like the broken 
edit thing. Oh, the the tear in the middle? Yeah, the tear in the middle. That's how I found out. And then I looked it up and apparently they had broken up and they're still friends. Like they're still posting things on the internet together and like these videos talking about the kissing booth together. But I can tell like since this is a successful movie and that they're going to continue talking about it and bringing it up this year and they're going to have to be together. I can't tell how awkward that will be or what their relationship is like now. Is there going to be a kissing booth too, you think? I mean, I really want there to be, but I don't want it to ruin the first one. Well, that's what usually happens with yeah. sequels. I don't know. I don't know if they'll do it. We'll see. When nephew Kyle breaks up, should we do the picture of them <laughs> on July 4th with the tear in the middle? <laughs> wait. I'll get that ready. I'll get somebody to Photoshop yes, that one. Yes, let's do Let's that. get the video department on so it. So so what's the what's the strongest and most controversial teen-related relationship right now, now that those two are out the window? I mean- it's really difficult because those two were huge. Yeah. Those were the OGs. I wouldn't say that Millie and Jacob, they were like one of the relationships that people enjoyed. But it was almost one of the relationships that people were really hoping for to end. So that's why it was so popular, especially because she's really popular. Can we talk about uh, your favorite YouTube? Yeah. You, you, so these are your top four top YouTube I, I shows had to make- of the summer? No, YouTube people. YouTube people of the summer. Okay. I have five. You have five. All right. Go from five to one. Let's build up suspense. Okay. So my fifth one would be Brent Rivera. What does he do? He makes little skits that are related to, um, that are related to like teen life situations. Okay. He makes videos that talk about like, I just watched a video of his where he'll do skits with his sister and his best friend. And they're like- it will be like his best friend is playing the role of her sister's boyfriend. Yeah. And then he's trying to split them up. And like, it's just, it's, they're really funny little skit videos that he makes and they're super creative. Okay. So there will be some skit videos and then he'll make videos that are like the top five things that you shouldn't do on summer vacation or the top five things to do when you're bored on spring break. And they're like kind of factual videos, but they're so fun to watch. And he's like really entertaining. So that's number five. Who's number yeah. four? Brent so, Rivera, number five. Number four for me would be Collins Key. What is that one? He does um, extreme challenge videos with his friends and his brother, his, mostly his brother. And they'll do challenge videos that are kind of crazy. Like he'll make a video. I just recently watched a video of his where it was like eat it or wear it. And they would show the food and he would say if he'd rather eat it or wear it. And obviously the person who wears the most food loses. So his videos are really interesting to me. What's I his think name? He's really funny. Kalinski. Kalinski. Okay. He's, he's four. Who's three? So I kind of like had a tie here. Yeah. Because I couldn't, I couldn't choose. So second place is a tie. Yes. Okay. Second place is a tie. So my two second place would be James Charles. What does he do? He is a makeup MUA who, um, he's- I don't know what that means. He's a makeup artist. Okay. And he does really interesting, colorful looks that reflect on, um, like he uses all different types of color and he kind of like tries to reflect on the season to make his look to make his looks really cool and he's just different from every other makeup artist out there where he makes tutorials on like how to 
make your face look like the solar system. And then like all these different really cool things. And I think he's awesome. And he's like bringing out a lot of boys who want to be doing makeup who didn't think that they would be able to or that society wouldn't accept them. He's making an an acceptance and like almost normal for men to be wearing makeup, which I think is really cool. And he's awesome to watch. And then the Dolan twins are my other one that are a tie with- The Dolan twins. um, James Charles. Okay. What do they do? They are like another challenge video extremist people. They're just really fun to watch. Like they did a video where they had this globe and they've never been away from each other for more than a week. And they both threw pins at the globe blindfolded. And they had to go to that place where their pins landed and they weren't allowed to talk to each other for an entire week. And it was like an extreme video, but it was really fun to watch. They're super entertaining. Dolan is, I think of Dolan, he's the owner of the Knicks, who's like the worst owner in the NBA. So when you said the Dolan twins, for my mind went to <laughs> two of the terrible Nick owners. All right, who's number one? Number one would have to be Laura DIY, my favorite YouTuber. How do you for spell it? Now five years. L-A-U-R-D-I-Y. Okay. And she's my like my absolute favorite YouTuber. She's a DIY artist who takes like these really expensive high-end projects or things that you can buy in a store and takes affordable materials and teaches you how to make it with affordable materials. So it's informative stuff. Yeah. It's not stuff where people yelling in a fake accent, pouring paint on each other. (laughs) Yeah. She does stuff like that. And she's my favorite YouTuber. She makes, um, she does collab videos where she'll do like DIY challenge and you get these materials and you have to make this in a certain amount of time. And in the comments, people like vote who they think won the challenge. And she does it with like other YouTubers who are very successful. Like she's done it with, um, well, before Logan Paul, what happened to him? She did it with Logan Paul. She did it with um, a bunch of these different really successful YouTubers. And that's like, it's so fun to watch. So Logan Paul and Jake Paul, who were all the rage a year ago, what's where do they stand now with the kids? Um, I feel like last year they were the types of people who you would always be talking about. Yeah. Like no matter what situation it was, you would always be talking about Logan Paul or Jake Paul or their new video or merch or whatever. And now it's kind of like they're losing all of their power fans and like everyone talking about them. So their videos are kind of becoming more extreme and dumber. Yeah. I just watched a video last night preparing for this and it was Jake Paul's video. And he was like, he made this fake video of himself like going to jail like he basically had his friends call him in for trespassing at their house. Yeah. So he could go to jail and break this girl out of jail who he thought was wrongly put in jail because she didn't do what she was sentenced that she did. So he That basically, sounds terrible. I know. And it was fake. He wrote in this description that they were like professionals and that this was all fake. But he was like, he's basically so desperate for these views that I feel like he isn't getting as much as he was before everything happened that like he's making crazy videos like this, which I think is silly. Like, honestly, it's silly. What should we do with Ben's Logan Paul backpack? (laughs) 
Should just give it to charity? <laughs> burn it. Burn, should burn it in the backyard? Maybe that could be your first YouTube video. The funny thing is, like, he hasn't talked about Logan Paul in so long. And remember, well, Fortnite, he was like... Fortnite basically oh, took over Logan Fortnite Paul and Jake over. Paul. Now, yeah, like, that used to be Logan Paul and Jake Paul, all everyone talked about. Now it's Fortnite. It's Fortnite, Fortnite, Fortnite all summer. Yeah, which I don't know if it's better. Well, it's certainly not better for Ben. Not better for Ben. <laughs> just <laughs> Him getting the final three and then screaming and throwing stuff. And he smashed the remote yesterday. Yeah, he, two days ago, he smashed the TV <laughs> remote. The Samsung thing broke in like 15 pieces. Oh, Maybe not crazy. good. What's Ben's favorite YouTube YouTuber or YouTube channel now? Does he, he have one? He watches his favorite people right now are to watch how to play Fortnite and how to win. Yeah. So as he's playing, Fortnite he watches secrets. and plays exactly like what the video is showing him to do. Yeah. And he also watches this account that I actually really like called Be Amazed. And it's like, it shows you like the top 20 places that you should never swim in. And it's like the top 20 places on the world that haven't been discovered yet. And it's like kind of informal, cool videos that he likes those. And he also likes this guy, Charlie Navalua. Who <laughs> who I watched for a little bit, but it's basically this guy screaming at the camera and um Sounds great. <clears throat> and throwing things at the camera, throwing spoons at the camera and breaking glass plates. What was the one what was really sounds Ben's living at home <laughs> till he's forty. That's gonna be Ben's that's gonna be Ben's future. <laughs> Just rage YouTube videos. Um Well yeah, he does watch those videos when people rage at Fortnite. Yeah. What was the one you told me about the uh the the people that who pretend who pay the actors the social experiment? Oh, social people? social experiment, yeah. What's that one? Um that's when That actually sounded interesting. I really like these videos. So it's basically when they have a situation where they'll take two professional actors and they'll tell them what they're supposed to be doing. So for example, like there was this mom once and her daughter and the mom was supposed to be fat shaming her daughter in public. And basically it's a test of what strangers would do seeing something happening with discrimination and um, how they would intervene, how they would intervene or how they would react to it. And it's really interesting because you'll see some people actually step up and help that person who's being discriminated against. Yeah. And then you'll watch other people just sitting around watching it and taking their, I saw a video where someone was taking their phone out when um, that was happening and like recording it Yeah, and probably like going to put it on YouTube or something. So it's like a cool way to see how people would react. Strangers would react to these like Maybe horrible we, situations. We should film those with Ben as strangers react to him <laughs> being a lunatic. <laughs> Can you describe to the listeners what Ben smelled like when we picked him up from camp after two oh, weeks? Oh, so Ben got in the car and it smelled like egg salad that had been left out <laughs> for three weeks and pooped on by our dog, Jesse. Yeah. And then microwaved again, mushed up and put into a cake. That's what he smelled like. He took a bath and he the bath turned purple. He took a Febreze thing and Febrezed himself. He said, I didn't shower this week, but I Febrezed myself. It's like, what is that supposed to do? It's like a wild animal. Uh, he would um, be one of the people that could live out in the jungle. Speaking of TV episodes, we did the 100 best TV episodes of the 21st century mm-hmm. on The Ringer. Yeah. The OC pilot was number nine. I made you watch the first seven episodes of The OC. 
I gladly watch. You didn't make me watch. Well, I, I pushed you to watch yeah, it because it's an old show. Watch. You don't trust anything that's not within the last 10 years. <laughs> but you love the OC. Yeah. You were all in. Yeah. You're going to keep watching it. Yeah. Why? Although I'm disappointed because you said the first seven are the Yeah, it only- peaks with the first seven. It's still yeah. good the rest of the first season. All right. What was What was your favorite thing about the OC and why do you think they're not making shows like this for people like you now? Um... My favorite part of the OC was probably like the almost quote unquote forbidden relationship. Yeah. Between. um, You love forbidden relationships. (laughs) Yeah. I loved that forbidden relationship and between the two characters, the main character and I can't remember. Ryan and Marissa. Yeah. Ryan and Marissa. And I really enjoyed that relationship just because you can almost see how badly they wanted to be together. Yeah. But they couldn't be together because she was having all this issue, all these issues with her dad and her family and the divorce and um, her boyfriend who cheated on her. Yeah. Like her boy, like her really guy. shady boyfriend who yeah. we didn't like. And it was just like there were so many things that they couldn't be together. So many reasons why. But there was like that was even more of a reason why they should be together. So I really enjoyed that relationship. And I um I really enjoyed Summer's Summer's attitude. Yeah. I just like Summer. I think she's super funny. Summer is my favorite character as well. Yeah. Just because she's like so stereotypical. It's like hilarious to watch. So if Fox was coming out with a show called Forbidden Relationship, you would just be in blind. <laughs> I totally love that. There's a movie coming out next month, which is like on Netflix, which I'm going to be obsessed with. What's that one? Um, it's about like this girl who writes a love letter to her crushes and then puts it in a box above her bed and somehow the love letters get out. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. It's It looks so good. And like one of the guys walks up to her and he's like, I'm very flattered that you think my eyes are pretty, but we can't be together. You just can't do that. She's like, what? And he's like, I have your letter. And then she goes home and all the letters are gone. <laughs> there is a movie in the, I, I don't think I've showed you this movie. It's a little dated, but it was in the eighties mm-hmm. called secret admirer. And it was basically this guy was obsessed with the best looking girl in high school. And oh, he yeah. had his friend who happens to be a super cute female who somehow he doesn't realize is cute until halfway through the movie. <laughs> she helps him write, uh, secret admirer letters to this girl who falls in love with them and they start dating. But meanwhile, his friend had written all the letters and then the letters kind of get out. And oh, so no. I think it's a little bit of a ripoff on that, but that that's one you would really like. Yeah. We'll have to, it's, maybe this we'll week you watch that. secret admirer. Yeah. You watch some of the old eighties movies you've liked a little yeah. bit. What's been your favorite one? Ferris Bueller. Oh, I love Ferris Bueller, but that's like a movie that's not really dated. Yeah. That's not dated. I mean, you like breakfast club. Oh, I love Breakfast Club. But some almost, of them you didn't like. Like, you didn't like Sin Almost Fire. I don't remember that one. Yeah, because you didn't like it. Yeah. Um, the 80s had some good plots. All those, all the stuff you're watching now when did is Grease very- come out? Grease was 70s. Oh, well, that's one of the older movies that I really love. But everyone loves that movie. It's iconic. Yeah, everyone loves Grease. Yeah. So, eighth grade's coming up. Yeah. What are you excited about? leaving my school. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, you've been there for nine years. I love my school so much, but I'm kind of getting like, I just need 
new people, I guess. New, new, new people in your life. Yeah. Some new people to new experiences. Yeah. But my school is amazing and all the teachers are amazing. And I wish they made a high school. Just if more new people came, it'd be a lot more fun. <laughs> and you're not playing flag football QB. Stop. Yeah. I'm just asking you. You're not doing it. I don't know. I thought you were going to play volleyball now. <laughs> Kyle, don't give me that face. We could sell this movie to Netflix. <laughs> That's you, like already a movie. The I'm girl plays sure. flag football QB, but falls for the receiver. And then they break <laughs> up before the big game because, because some letters got out. The other receivers and, aren't getting passes now. Yeah, right? The other receivers aren't getting, that, that's not a Netflix movie. We can make that in five minutes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we actually could, but that's not going to happen. Soccer starts this week. Yeah. Soccer starts this week. How would you rate me as a soccer dad in 2018? I haven't seen you as a soccer dad in 2018. How was I in 2017? Um, actually, I have seen you in 2018. Um, you're a good soccer dad. Thanks. He doesn't, he used to talk a lot. In the games the or after? Remember you used to talk a lot like four years ago? I used to yell for you. He used to yell a lot and it made me so angry. And then we made you play better. Yeah. But now he's a very good soccer dad. Now he, I just sit there supportively or stand there supportively. No, you like, you have some good moments where you're like, cozy. Like those I appreciate. Yeah. You're, you're a good soccer dad. Thanks. You've, you've evolved after like nine years of my life playing soccer. <laughs> this is like your ninth year of soccer. I know. I was worried that you were going to lose interest this year, but I think you have the eye of the tiger back. Yeah. Well, I'm on a run with great sports teams, so hopefully your soccer team will, <laughs> yeah. will ride it. And oh, we didn't talk about horror movies before we go. Oh, yeah, horror you, movies. You saw The Descent uh -huh. on Netflix. Um, Is that supposed to be one of the scariest movies? It's in the top 20. It came I, out like 13 years ago. It I freaked all of us out. I don't... It was a scary movie, but it wasn't my type of scary movie. Because there's a type of scary movie that I like absolutely love. Like what I just watched. That? Oh, I just watched the boy. Yeah, <sighs> that one scared me. Up until the part where like he comes out and he's actually a person. Yeah, like ghosts scare me. Anything that's possessing a doll or has ghosts involved, like I like those movies because it scares me so badly. Are you gonna be scared when Kyle's girlfriend puts a curse on our whole family? <laughs> So the, curse me first. It'd be guys. called the red lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the movie. <laughs> On fire, you Kyle, guys. Kyle's thinking of beating. Oh um, all right, that's it for for realsies. For yeah. Oh, we should mention you launched an Instagram. Oh yeah, guys. You so haven't started. You haven't, haven't started doing sta it yet. But I you're haven't gonna started it yet. But I do have an Instagram that I'd really appreciate if you followed because I'd be doing. Um, updates on... We're going to make this public, not private. Team Pop Culture, it already is public. And the account is four, like the actual four, real, and then S-E-E-Z. So number four. Number four, then real, and then S-E-E-Z. Because we couldn't get the the real for realsies, yeah. so we had to do that. But if you go follow, there'll be like updates on Team Pop Culture. Yeah. And... um really like fun videos and stuff like that for to watch. So yeah. This was our compromise because you wanted to have a YouTube channel and I wouldn't <laughs> let you because I don't want you on YouTube. Yeah. So we're, we're going to start out with, you can update on Instagram. Yeah. So go follow that, <laughs> please. <laughs> All right. Thanks, C. Thank you. All right. We're going to talk to Chris Ryan about Succession, which just wrapped up a spectacular 
first season. But first, let's talk more about fantasy football. This NFL season, be your GM, be a winning GM. Turn this season into a fistful of epic wins by joining a Yahoo Fantasy Football League. Yahoo has spent the offseason making serious upgrades to enhance your experience. Upgrades like easier scoring, new trophies, a buttery smooth app experience. When you come to play fantasy football on Yahoo, the wins are as epic as the season is long. To get in on the wins, you have to get in on the season. Start a league with your squad or one of the many public leagues. Just don't miss your chance to play on the best fantasy football platform on the planet. My thing is, I like doing both. I like having the weekly fantasy. I like doing the daily fantasy on Sundays. I like the whole thing. And then I like hating myself because I'm bad at fantasy and I always end up losing in the end. So it's the gamut of emotions for me. Yahoo, though, they figured it out. Join a league right now at yahoo.com slash Simmons Fantasy Football. Once again, yahoo.com slash Simmons Fantasy Football. All right. Another positive of the Trump presidency. It brought us succession on HBO. Crucially written before, I think, Trump took office. I, I'm pretty sure. Well, if we're looking for wins and losses, it's the only one we can really give him. I have a question to start, yeah. to start us off. Am I your number one boy? You're my number one boy. <laughs> Kyle, you're my number one nephew. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk, this is the tail end of the podcast, and we're going to talk succession. So if you have not seen the final episode yet, Feel free to come back. We want our feelings won't be hurt. Come back after you after you hear it. Succession is wrapped. Season one, a show that memorably and almost without precedent got better every episode. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know what like if it was a pitcher, the stats. If you would look at the game log, the game log would just become increasingly good until you got to the. The final two where we're I think not we're used shut to shows so- warming up like this. I don't think why you don't. I don't think we're used to a show using a season as, hey, I'm going to figure out the game in the first couple of episodes, and everybody's going to kind of be figuring out their character. Now that's probably a fallacy that they don't know the character going into the writing. And Jesse Armstrong, the guy who's created it, is very good at dispelling people of, of fallacies about writing. But you can tell there's this collision of like it's going to be a soap soap opera meets Veep meets, you know, so, like like a like a law procedural every week or something, and then they're working their way through it. But you can tell, I think, the, the place to look to see it turn over is when Roman, like, becomes a little... He's at 102 instead of 114. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, everything starts flowing. I've always had this theory with shows, and I think I've talked about it before, and I think I've even talked to people who do TV shows about this before on this podcast, but I just can't remember them at the tip of my tongue. I think it takes about four to five episodes for the actors to totally understand what character they're playing. Cause think about it. They, I mean, I assume this one, they just shot the pilot and then it either Typically gets picked with up HBO or not. shows that that's what happens. Yeah. yeah. So they, they read a script. They try to figure out what the character is. They do the pilot, the show gets picked up and now they're in the grind of, they got to do all these things. And I do think it takes a few episodes. Like, Jeremy Strong is somebody that I didn't like the first couple episodes by the last five. I thought he was lights out. Yeah. I actually think that might have been his his performance in the last episode might have been the single best performance of uh, of anyone on the show. I thought that was like an Emmy performance by him. Oh, absolutely. And I love the idea that, you know, he didn't hang out with anybody in the cast. He was super method. Yeah. He, he didn't rehearse any of the stuff in the last two episodes. So he would just walk in and do it. And he said that the, the tears, I don't think the tear is in the script 
or something about that. No, final he, moment. Said, yeah. he said that he got all emotional and he started crying yeah. at the end with the dad. Yeah. Um, you talked to the showrunner, Jesse Armstrong. Yeah. Did he realize the show was kind of taken off a little bit? I think he got this sense that it had become something people were talking about a lot. He was actually a little bit more defensive about the first few episodes. I think he was like, that wasn't like a tryout. We were laying the groundwork for what came later. Yeah, and I, I think, think if you right. go back to those first few episodes, a lot of the themes and a lot of of the character beats are there. You yeah. know, the Tom and Greg dynamic is there at the softball game. Kendall being Icarus and going up and falling again and again and again is right there. So it's 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 pretty interesting the the way in which he probably views the show versus the way the audience does. I don't, there's very few shows that make cocaine seem like something it would actually be fun to do. I think that we and could revise that opinion right maybe the after the episode. finale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, you know, cocaine, you need a little bump. And then all of a sudden he's in a river pulling a Chappaquiddick, which they're in the car with the, uh, with the caterer guy. Yeah. Who's zonked out. On Kevin, And they're driving yeah. and he doesn't know how to drive a clutch. And I'm like, car accident. Did not see the chat. Then all of a sudden they're going toward the river. I'm like, oh, the Chappaquiddick. Yeah. It was great. You haven't really seen the Chappaquiddick move with the TV show. I think this is the first time. But I thought that there was it was interesting how they pulled that off because the entire addiction narrative with Kendall is that there basically aren't any consequences for someone that rich. Yeah. And they push it to essentially manslaughter. There aren't any consequences. Yeah. And that moment when Logan is like, this is either the rest of your life or a, a detail everybody forgets about a wedding. And, you know, it's door number one, door number two. And then to wield that kind of power. And even the way he's talking, like, these are good people. Our people know these people. We can work something out. I was like, oh, man, fucking power, man. Brian Cox <laughs> did a nice job. Start of the start of the last episode, he's really blindsided by, uh, by Kendall coming in and we're doing a bear hug on you. And you could kind of see the look in his face. And it's the only time there's, like, weakness. Yeah. And then he gets stronger as that scene goes along. And then he's finally, so what are you going to do? So what's your plan? What are you going to do? And he's like, I'm going to do good job. Yeah. Good job running company. And uh, and then he just gets his mojo back. And then by that last scene, it was just brilliant. Crucial difference between He'll the show killed, and say like, like an Aaron Sorkin show is that Kendall never has an answer. Kevin, Kendall never has like a good speech. He, a witty speech. He's never like, back. because the house always wins. It's like, he, he is like, you're a fucking beast is the most he can muster about his life is to just call his father a beast. Brian Cox did a great job at eviscerating all the people in his life too, in various points of this season one, where like even yesterday, what does he say to Kira Culkin? You'd be working at a fucking McDonald's or whatever he says. And you, 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 you're nothing. And he just goes around the room and just crushes everybody. But he's kind of right. Yeah, I None mean, I think those people would be doing anything. His sort of, among many other complexes, his complex about the fact that he at least tells himself that he had to work for everything his got he got, and his kids didn't have to work for anything, and that they would use that against him, that they would essentially decide that they weren't patient or that they didn't want to play the game the way he laid out the rules, because to him everything is a game, infuriates him. Yeah, how would you compare this family to the bus family? <laughs> I mean, there's some parallels, right? Jeannie and Shiv are, are a little bit similar. Shiv's going to end up with this family. Same if, for Jeannie. If Succession was just an anthology series, they could do the Lakers next season. That would be pretty amazing. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Just every year it's a it's different like it's family. Crazy. It's a big, rich family. Yeah. 
I thought it was going to be on the Billions Corner, and it's really not. I feel like they're two separate shows. I I think they can live in two separate universes. I didn't like that Eric Bogosian crossed over. Yeah, that was, that was a the tough only moment that, for the Billion was, shared universe, the Billion like, Succession shared universe. Just shouldn't have done that. There's some crucial differences. I don't think. I'm sure that there's there's an argument to be made, but I think that the the creators of Succession are fully aware that these are actually bad people. Yes. And I think that Billions treats its character like characters like they're somewhat bad, but they're pretty cool. And there's a big difference. You know what I mean? Something else big happened last night. Joe House and I nominated Shiv to the Adulterers Club <laughs> with her speech about I'm not sure I could have <laughs> what about let's talk about numbers. Yeah. And I'm not sure I can have a monogamous marriage. Yeah, Incredible what is love? Job. It's just this thing that we put like all these other things underneath of, yeah. I think Shiv was my favorite character on the show. And and a, another person who really developed over the course of the season. He really layered. I believed her the most. I think she's the only one who really has a chance to be successful and kind of carry the family to the next generation. The way she manipulated everybody was really interesting, I thought. And uh, is the only one that really seems to have her shit together. I have no... Where does she fall on the age... On the ages with everybody? I, I imagine that Shiv was... M- 34, 35. Who was the youngest, do you think? Roman. Roman was youngest. I thought Roman was the Kendall youngest. Kendall was oldest. Yeah. Shiv is middle and and Connor's oldest, but from another marriage, I think. He's half. Yeah. He's going to be the next president. <laughs> the good seed, man. He's like, I want to run for president. And they're like, wait a second, what? Yeah. Uh, I don't know where this show goes, but let's talk about it for two sure. minutes. I assume the dad is going to regain his luster in season two, Logan. Yeah, the big question, I, there's two questions I have. Obviously, the the, the threads that they didn't tie up are uh, Greg still has the damning evidence about this company. Some company. Machiavellian shit. Although in 2016 or 2018, I'm trying to imagine if that would actually sink a company at this point. Like, I have no idea what a scandal is anymore. In, in the Trump world? Yeah, yeah. Right, probably not. But Greg still has this evidence, and we still don't really know who Marsha is. And Marsha seems to have maybe a long game in this whole thing. That being said, I think that one of the things that was really interesting about this show is that they every episode, and Jesse Armstrong talked about this, he called it, he pitched it as every episode is a very special episode. It's Thanksgiving, it's a family retreat, it's a wedding. Everything brings the entire cast together and then they play off each other in these settings. Do you keep going with that structure? Or do you pair people off and have them I heard off? You, yeah, I heard you talk about this on The Watch. I don't I don't think that's a sustainable structure. Right. Unless you're just going to do two seasons, maybe. I think you could pair... You, like what happened with The Sopranos where, oh, well, the Pine Barrens episode is the best case scenario and the worst case scenario is, hey, it's the Furio episode. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, oh Furio's <laughs> getting his whole own, own episode? Uh, or the Italian parade and yeah. shit like that. So if they want to keep it going seven seasons, my guess is the way this show moved and the way it was structured, they he's probably thinking it's 30 episodes. I imagine, I think it could be a really, I mean, because I think that basically you can't go back to the Kendall's trying to take over again, again. and again and again. I think they could have a lot of fun with the presidential election if they were going to do something with an election. And I think they could do some really interesting stuff with what happens to Kendall. But I I have a hard time imagining him being this prince who was promised who comes back to take over the company again. I was thinking how weddings are always settings for great 
TV shows and movies. Amazing. They're amazing. And the, the fact that they place. stretched it out over two days, yeah. which is crucial because so much happens at the rehearsal dinner and then the day of and the party. Like That is a, a huge amount of socializing over the course of 48 hours when you think about it. Not enough shows take, take advantage of that. The, yeah. Connie... It's like, what's his girlfriend in the picture? <laughs> I'm going to punch Tom in the face and shit in the floor. <laughs> yeah. How much do you, how, how often are you going to use um, Roman, uh, Roman looking at the rocket exploding in the bathtub as a, as a gif reaction to when Tatum regresses this season? Oh, <laughs> what the hell? I'm so satisfied with Jason Tatum summer. <laughs> Succession really could be a Celtics show. That's true. Yeah. The next 30 years of titles. <laughs> I, I really resented that. Especially, I'm sorry. You're not coming from a position of strength this summer when you Wilson Chandler was the big signing. It's Monday morning and I'm short-timing it this week. So I, short I, get, it? I get one gig in before I go on vacation. <laughs> so who is your MVP? I thought it was Kendall. It was Jeremy Strong. Like I think that, that that's one of the better performances I've seen on TV in a really long time. One of the things that initially hurt this show and then really ended up helping it was that I didn't have a backstory personally with knowledge of any of the actors other than Culkin. Yeah. And and Ferris Bueller's buddy. Sean and I were talking about guys. this. Fennessy and I were talking about what would have happened if a movie star played Kendall. It wouldn't have worked. I, I went from thinking the biggest mistake this show made was not having a real star play Kendall to thinking that was actually the best part of the show is that and that's the cool I had thing no about background. TV used to do that all the time. Yeah. TV used to be like, who's this guy? Yeah. This guy's incredible. And then, you, you know, maybe 10 years later, he'd wind up being... Something, or maybe he'd be Corbin Burnson and just kind of like spend most of his life on TV. And that's ER it. did that. Every person yeah. who was on ER was somebody that was not famous at that point. And you go through the list and you even see it with a show, with, you go to sports and you see a show like Get Up, mm -hmm. which and we're familiar with all three of those people. There's nothing new about that show. I'm not, there's no discovery in it. And I think that's one of the things that hurts it. And I think with TV shows, Billions was able to pull this off, even though we had a back history with both with both of the lead characters. Yeah. Part of it was like, that was the sell of the show. It was like two people I already had a history with. But then the other people on the show were all people we discovered. Like somebody like Maggie Siff, unless you watched, Sun, what was she on, Sons of Anarchy? Yeah, and she or was on Mad Men, yeah. And Mad Men like for six episodes, mm -hmm. but I didn't really have a history with her. Yeah, the the supporting cast in in Succession is worth noting too because it's rare that a show goes ten deep like this, where even the people who are just coming on to do two or three lines a, an episode are yeah. are that good. So Jerry and Stewie and yeah. you know the 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 deep deep roster of people is just really incredible. So you're really invigorated by this show. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think favorite first seasons. Where does it rank? Pretty high up there, and and definitely pretty high up there in recent history. You know, I I, I love. There's been a lot of really good TV over the last two years. I think what I really, really loved about Succession was the uh, almost nostalgic feeling it created for when TV used to just come on on Sunday nights and then everybody would lose it, you yeah. know? And, you know, you just start talking about that episode for the rest of the week and then another episode would come on. That was kind of what we were trying to, like, call back to with the with the episode ranking. And it, it just has that that glue, it's a connective tissue in your life. If you have a really great show that you and a lot of your friends and people on your timeline are into, it can be this really fascinating uh, thread throughout your week. Yeah, it can own kind of eight to 10 weeks yeah, of your summer. I mean, I just wish more shows were like that. I think that it, you know, and I, and I, it's a shame. I, Netflix makes a lot of good stuff, but if Mindhunter and Stranger Things were on once a week, I think that you'd spend two, two three months talking about it. 
Julie and I talked about this a little on Friday. It's an interesting conundrum for Netflix because I think it's a huge reason why their business model worked. But I also think it's really hurt them a couple of times just from owning the narrative. And mm-hmm. I think Stranger Things season two is the best example of that because if they had just strung that out, even if they had released two episodes a week for five weeks, we would have gotten five weeks of content out of that. I look today, we had, what do we have? Four succession pieces and two podcasts. Yeah. Plus you're coming on mine all because it built to this final episode. Yeah. And also like that doesn't even represent the amount of time people spend like popping into each other's offices and making, uh, well, I guess inappropriate jokes from the the Prague episode. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Really good. I think we're back. I think TV's kind of back. This has been a good TV season. TV is pretty good. Yeah. We went from- The best TV shows this year are really good. Succession, Atlanta. I Billions had its best Killing season. Eve. Yeah. Yeah. Atlanta had a really good one. There's one other we're leaving out. Um, oh, the affair's been pretty good too. I mean, on, the, on a B plus <laughs> yeah, level. Yeah. I mean, the list is pretty good. Howard's End it was great. Uh, Glow was great. I mean, there was a lot of really good shows yeah, People this year. like Glow, but yeah. that was another one that got dumped. I mean, Every I dumped, episode. it got released by the same Netflix I know, system. Yeah. But it just got 10 episodes and everyone's going to watch those on their own time and you can't really... Glow something I, w- I wish had been on cable. Yeah. I think it would have probably hit a little bigger. I have no idea who's watching and how many people. You know what's fascinating? So BoJack is going to be on... It's on in, Comedy Central. And it's in yeah. like syndication. I wonder if they'll start trying to do that for shows a little earlier in their runs like that. I, if Glow was on MTV... I wonder if it would be a bigger deal. I know that people, not a lot of people are watching MTV, but that's like a show that if it was just on FX or MTV or some sh- of some channel and people watch it once a week, I wonder what would happen with that. That's a good model, I think, for Netflix is to dump a first season of a show at, on a network and see if it can gain a little alternative audience. But then you have somebody like Nephew Kyle over here who's just going to watch it on Netflix. Yeah, I'll wait it out. And sure. he's not, he's not yeah. going to see cable. So maybe that's a strategy to get older people. Chris Ryan, NBA is dead. <laughs> Nothing's going on. I know. This is fine. Yeah, you got the Red Sox. You're good. Yeah, we'll be all right. So NBA comes back. When when are we going to start caring again? Late August, mid September, early September, early September. Yeah. Are you have you switched mentally to NFL yet? Well, it's weird. Now I this is my honeymoon season, I know, so I, I definitely saw, don't have the anxiety. It's really strange. It's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. the The first Thursday night game is great. When uh, they raise the banner, it, it's way more fun than you think it's going to yeah, be. Yeah, I don't think I realized how much anxiety and and like sadness I had tied up in that team over the course of my entire life. That yeah. this really has lifted a lot of because you know you go into a football season, you don't know this, but you go into a football season. I used to. Ah, like, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. The Giants are pretty good this year. You know what I mean, or whatever. Yeah, and you nag Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Let Eli have a, a victory lap. I don't care. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. I want to destroy the Giants. The Sixers, Sixers though, a lot of anxiety about that. I'll be okay. It's all Markel. Embiid got bit by a cub on Twitter this weekend. Yeah, good Lion bit. Lion cub. Yeah. It's a good bit. <laughs> Chris Ryan, thank you. Later, Bill. All right, thanks so much to Jacko, my daughter, and Chris Ryan. Thanks to Simply Safe, a comprehensive, easy-to-use protection with no contracts and a fair price, only $14.99 a month. Keeps your family and home safe 24-7, even during power outages. When your Wi-Fi is down, if a burger smashes your keypad, and it's really thoughtfully designed, so it's never in your way, you probably won't even notice it. Order a Simply Safe security system today. Simply Safe will also donate one to a family in need. You have to go to simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two eyes. Simplysafe.com slash BS.
Thanks to FanDuel. This NFL season, FanDuel has more ways to win than ever before, like the free weekly pick'em contest or FanDuel's free NFL Survivor League. Pick one team every week of the season for a chance at that $250,000 prize. FanDuel even has a new tool called Guru, which helps you pick your lineup so you can feel more confident going into game day. New players, try FanDuel today. Get a $20 bonus. When you make your first deposit, just sign up. Use promo code BS. And thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. We're back with two more podcasts this week. Stay tuned. Don't forget to check out the Ringer Podcast Network. We have another Rewatchables coming. We have a whole bunch of pop culture. Dave Chang, JJ Reddick, Larry Wilmore. You name it, we have it. Talk to you later in the week.